Hello, friends, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. And I created the U-Turn book and the podcast as a place to help you connect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I want to bring a guest on with the intention of helping you expand what's possible for you, both in your confidence, whether it's in work or love, and just in life in general. So let's get into this week's episode. U-Turn friends, I'm so excited to bring Dr. Viviana Coles onto the show. Uh, She is the president and lead psychotherapist at her private practice, Houston Relationship Therapy. She's also president of the National Sex Therapy Institute, a virtual sex therapy certification program for mental health professionals. She's the resident intimacy expert at Bloomy and Intimate Caroline. She has a bachelor's in psychology and master's and doctoral degrees in marriage and family therapy. And she's a certified sex therapist. And she's really been focusing her work since 2003 on couples and individuals with emotional and physical intimacy issues. And she's really built up a thriving private practice with relationship therapy, sex therapy. And um, I'm also really excited to share that she was featured as marriage and intimacy expert on seasons nine through 14 of the hit show Married at First Sight. Those of, and also Married at First Sight Unmatchables. I've got to say, if you've never watched Married at First Sight, start at season 11. It's the only one I truly watch, but I feel like it's quite a gem. And I watched it when I got my tonsils out, so I literally couldn't communicate, but I had so many words coming forward watching this show. Um, Such a cool psychology experiment uh, watching humans. And also, she's the author of the book, The Four Intimacy Styles. Um, which is what I really want to focus on. I read about the four intimacy styles. I have so many questions. One of the arguments in the book is about how sex seems to be at the bottom of a lot of relationships dissolving. It seems to be that issue, the underlying topic that most of us don't talk about. Woo! Without further ado, Dr. Viviana, thank you for coming onto the show. Oh, I'm so looking forward to our conversation, Ashley. Thanks for having me. Me too. I feel like sex is one of the most downloaded topics that we have, but we don't cover it often enough. And I'm so excited to kind of shed some light on your intimacy styles. What was it that inspired you to focus so much on intimacy, you know, being a therapist? I know you can choose so many different areas of focus. What was it about this that really pulled you? So I've always felt drawn to relationships in general. I didn't realize that it was going to be my career, but even in middle school, even in high school, I was the person that people would come to to talk about whatever was happening in their relationships. And I think a lot of that is because I've always really believed in love. I've had very good examples of that in my life and in my parents. And um, they just always showed us that that their relationship and their marriage was a priority over even my brother and I, (laughs) which is controversial, I know. But it really helped me to realize that, gosh, when things are going awesome in your relationship, all is good. But when they're not doing well, it doesn't matter what you have going on outside of your house or what achievements you're feeling. Everything feels like dampened and gray and can also feel like it's just not it's just not as bright. Um, so I've just always felt that way. And then once I realized there could be a career, whoosh, I was like straight line, 
I did my bachelor's in three years. I knew I still had to do my master's and my doctorate, although the master's is the terminal degree for a licensed mental health professional. In my family, it was like, no, you got to go all the way. So I knew I had a lot going on. And and I also just have always felt like if you're going to try to be really good at something, you need to go as and get as much training and education as possible to feel confident and competent. So yeah, it's fortunately for me, it's been a a real, a real straight line. It's not like that for everyone. Some people change their masters a million times. um, But that's, yeah, not me. Oh, I love that. And I feel like watching you um, do your work and reading your book has been so fun because I feel like the space in personal development is saturated in a great way and in not so great ways. And I feel like the competence that comes through in your work, I can tell that you've been sitting with this information. And I think one of the biggest questions that came up for me as I was reading is why does the spark die? And I feel like so many people are you know, suffering in some way because they're in a relationship, they want it to work. And that thing that felt so alive between them is just not there anymore. Um, I thought it would be interesting if you could talk a little bit about the stages of a relationship. I'm in a new relationship. We're in the honeymoon. So fun. Yes. NRE, new relationship energy. You are just oozing it. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. (laughs) I actually read about NRE in your book and I was laughing and thinking I'm definitely in that. And I'm hitting the three month mark where I'm starting to see our flaws. I'm starting to see the human things that it's like, okay, he had his first mood in front of me. It's like all of these different things. So can you talk a little bit about what is the spark that's happening? Why does it die? Um, you know, it would be really cool is if we kind of use you as a little mini case study. Let's do it. I love official lamb on the U-turn podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason that I, I'm so excited for you and where you are is because this is where people and couples in particular, where they start to not realize that they are transitioning into the more long-term uh, non-passionate, non-like all neurons firing, and you could live in a cardboard box together. And um, But a lot of people miss out on that kind of metamorphosis into something better by just going with the flow. In other words, they don't consciously make that transition from new relationship to more established relationship. They just let it happen. And then that's where things tend to fall off a cliff. So that spark, like you're talking about, and and just to be just to be like sure that everybody realizes, not everybody experiences that spark in the same way. Not everyone experiences new relationship energy in the same way. But when you feel it, you know what it's like, and you can you, you imagine this will go on forever. And the truth is, if you've ever been in a relationship for longer than like now, probably nine months to twelve months and beyond you don't experience that same firing in your brain and your body isn't going to respond to someone else's presence in the same way. And what I wanted to do with the four intimacy styles is help people like you to realize that you have to actively work on going from the beginning to more established or else you will fall off that cliff and your intimacy will fall off that cliff. And I think for a lot of people, if they know what they need to be doing, and they cherish their relationship, then they're more likely, obviously, they're more likely to actually work on it and work through it. But if they're unaware of it, and they just kind of ride that wave, well, guess what? The wave crashes. Right. It always does. 
Okay, so this is, I love this um, topic because I feel like one of the biggest things that I've learned through experience is there's really no replacement for time. Like you can't substitute time. Like you just have to allow it in order to learn about someone. And I was reading in your book, um, and I feel like everyone's going to hear me flapping the pages through the four intimacy styles, but certainty kills eroticism um, and mundane poses an existential threat to intimacy. So, um, I mean, obviously, as we get to know someone, the mystery fades um, and the real life things happen. So what would be your message for couples who they meet and they're like, we're the one we know, you know, when you know, and you know, right away, what, what's your thought on that? Because I feel like there's a lot of people that ha- believe in love at first sight, experienced it. Like, I'm just curious what you've seen in your practice about yeah. that. Hey, U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Cured Nutrition. We all know that a complete night of sleep is essential to optimize our wellness and our general well-being. Cured's Sleep Bundle, which combines their best-selling Zen and most potent CBN, is the answer to guaranteeing that you get that full night of sleep every single night. Zen is a blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and full-spectrum cannabinoids. Some people just can't fall asleep. Other people can't stay asleep. And then there's those that fall asleep and stay asleep, but still struggle to spend enough time in each sleep stage. No matter what's keeping you from your truest rest and restoration, this sleep bundle is such a solution. Think of it as a one-two punch for a body and brain reset. When it starts to kick in, I notice every inch of my body soften into a deeper state of relaxation as if I'm laying beneath the comfort of a weighted blanket. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to the U-Turn community. You can grab Zen and CBN in the sleep bundle for an extra 20% off Cured's already discounted price by heading over to www.curednutrition.com slash U-Turn and using the coupon code U-Turn at checkout. That's www.curednutrition.com, C-U-R-E-D, nutrition.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and the coupon code U-Turn at checkout to save an additional 20% off. To improve your life, you need to improve your sleep. Now let's get back to this week's episode. (laughs) So it's funny because the minute you you were talking, I, I had this like, kind of this image pop into my head where I'm thinking, I almost feel like I want to tell people to not treat their relationship like home, but to treat it like a long-term rental (laughs) (laughs) to to where you, you want to be comfortable and you want to make sure you have your creature comforts, but you also don't want to just like become a slob in it and become like unaware and unappreciative. Like you want to appreciate your relationship. But for a lot of people, when they find the one, they become almost, uh, they take it for granted. They take it for granted that everything that they're feeling is going to be mutual, reciprocated and consistent forever. And that's just not the way that it works for most people that passion, that intensity that you have towards your partner will be gone within 18 to 24 months. And that's on the later end of it, especially Mm -hmm. with the world, the way that the world works now, our pacing is like, we just move through things so quickly now. But what I, what I'm trying to say it by the mundane, 
Yes, the mystery might be gone, but to what extent? That's up to you. I'm constantly telling my clients, you need to be interesting. For your partner to be interested in you, you need to be interesting. If you want to be interested in your partner, they need to be interesting. Do something that creates a sense of, I'm bringing something to the table. I'm bringing a novelty, a newness. Don't do everything all day together. Don't tell your partner everything that's happening all day long. You'll have nothing to talk about at the dinner table. And that's just one of many, many ways that you can make sure that you are allowing for some, not pri- not secrecy, maybe some privacy. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and so for a lot of people, they get to know each other in and out <laughs> for um, very quickly. And then that's it. And they kind of stay stagnant. Well, you don't want to have that routine because that will slowly erode at the excitement that's just within your body. It slowly erodes to, a, you know, from arousal. And I think that for a lot of people, they're just really struggling to stay interesting, to stay interested and to make sensuality a priority and they don't play anymore. Mm. Okay. So this I know you get the question a lot, how often should we be having sex? And there is no such thing as normal necessarily, but I wanted to bring this question onto the show for people who are thinking about that. And I also want to ask you about sexual incompatibility. I feel like you talk about these four intimacy styles. I want to get into those. I also feel like I've been with partners. Like I was in a long-term relationship and our palates were just different. He was interested in kink and like, it felt like torture for me to explore that with him not from a judgmental space. It just wasn't my palate. And so what can we share around frequency and and just tastes when it comes to sex and compatibility? So when it comes to frequency, again, you're absolutely right. There's like no one size fits all. But from a relationship standpoint, I think that if you can engage in some sort of sensual or sexual activity twice a week, you'll probably be okay. Some people need a lot more and some people are fine with less. I wouldn't, I would err on more rather than less because over time, our bodies, our aging, our lives take us away. So it's always going to be easier to do less than it is to do more. And if you start off with only, you know, one encounter a month, well, before you know it, it'll be one encounter a year. Very quickly, people will, and, and you're in that new relationship, so it's hard to imagine. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine, you know, not being interested and not prioritizing, but depending on what's going on in your life, depending on um, how frequently you're thinking about sex, which is a really important piece of sexuality in general, I would say if you can do two, and that does not necessarily mean have to have penetration. It can be anything sensual. As long as it's for the purpose of bringing each other pleasure, then it counts. Mm -hmm. Um, and on top of that, the American Medical Association, it recommends that men um, ejaculate three to four times a week. Again, doesn't have to be partnered, but for their prostate health, that's the recommendation. So we're, we're looking at two times partnered uh, would probably be a good thing. Okay. And then as far as your taste and, and what you prefer, I would want to kind of put a little bug in y'all's ear that it's always changing Mm. and it can be evolving. And just like, you know, trying a new restaurant, trying something new centrally can really help you to understand like, you know what, in this part, in this time of my life, in this time in our relationship, 
I really want to explore this a little bit more. Again, it doesn't have to be anything wild or dangerous, and hopefully it won't be, but having your routine gets old. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And as we get older, we're going to need more stimulation. We're going to need more arousal. So I just think if you can start to explore maybe something a little bit more French vanilla instead yeah. of just vanilla. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't even know where to start, erotic is a great place to get some ideas. Cool. I love this. And I also, where did you, where is the place to get some ideas? Is that a book, erotica, or you're just saying? So like- just erotic literature in general. Um, especially when I'm a big fan of either listening to stories or reading them, because then you as the reader can impose your own ideas about what they look like, what they smell like. Maybe it looks like your partner. Um, You're able to work to kind of envision what you're into instead of like with traditional pornography, where especially women, we can get very caught up on how things look and that's not my style and oh, that looks painful. And Mm -hmm. it just, you know, it's, it can be a real turnoff really quickly. Um, so I'm a much bigger fan of reading or listening to Arabica. I love that. That's such a fun recommendation. And we haven't heard that on the show. Um, and actually one of the pieces of of insight that you had in your book that I thought about was, um, we had John Wineland on the show talking about sexual chemistry and he talked about how beneath, um, kind of the feeling that the sexual chemistry is dying is usually at least on the feminine energy side, non-gender specific distrust. Um, Mm. And that was through his spiritual work. Just that was what he found. And I found it was interesting. You wrote in your book that it be um, talking about tit for tat and how sometimes relationships will descend into feeling like there's an imbalance on the give and take. And if there's anything I know, it's like my partner right now owns a startup and he's working 13 hours a day. I have been building this business for 15 years and I work three hours a day. So it's easy to feel like I'm giving more sometimes because he's, mm-hmm. you know, absorbed in what he's doing. How do you uh, navigate that feeling of tit for tat as it relates to sex? Well, um, I also have like a whole section on punishment versus reward mm-hmm. and how important it is to not feel like in if your partner does something or doesn't do something around the house that you're not going to withhold sex or you're not going to withhold that physical affection because you're upset with them. That's how you start to taint things. And that's how you start to take that eroticism out of your sex life is by mixing it in with, oh, Um, you know, you didn't give me the gift that I wanted for my birthday. Well, now I'm not going to talk to you. Oh, and we're not going to have sex. Like that's where you start to to have that punishment. And I just think that for so many of my clients, once they devolve into tit for tat in general, like let's say outside of the bedroom, that I, I have to say, that's like, it's one of my biggest pet peeves that I see in couples. They know this. I I say it all the time. This is not a surprise, but for me, I almost feel like that is such an immature way to let a relationship die. Mm, You know, we think we constantly have to teach our partners lessons. Like I'm training you. Well, you don't always have to do it with a stick. Like You don't always have to 
to fight back. And, you know, I was just talking to a client today and I, and she had, I had noticed that some of her behaviors were starting to match um, uh, her partner's behaviors that were not healthy for the relationship. And I said, look, I feel like um, I said, you know how to do better. Like, you know, better. So now you need to do better. Mm -hmm. The responsibilities on you don't do something that you know you don't like. Don't do something that you know doesn't feel good just because your partner's doing it as like a less, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you not to do that. See how it feels. It, it You end up in a spiral and you both lose. Well, so here's what's interesting on my thought is that, yes, we don't want to be punitive consciously, but I feel like unconsciously or subconsciously, like our feelings are hurt. And we, I don't really want to have sex when I'm sad about at the person or mad at the or smad at the person, um, sad and mad at the person. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, how do you get your turn on back? And I also see a lot of couples blaming each other for each other's turn on, like they're turning me off versus I'm turned mm-hmm. off because of my, so can you talk a little bit about that? So in a long-term relationship, and that's what I'm I'm mainly looking at is long-term relationships. They want to stay together forever. They've built a life together and they want to keep it. They want to keep that investment going. Somebody is going to have to say, no, I don't feel great about us right now, but because I don't want this to taint our physical intimacy, I'm going to prioritize moving and working through the emotional intimacy roadblock that we've hit. So almost imagine, gosh, if we're not feeling good together um, or good about our connection right now, we're not going to be able to have the fun and the excitement that goes in, and the pleasure that goes with the sex part. So if if that needs to motivate you to work through an argument, great. <laughs> I'm fine with that. If somebody says, yeah, I just, you know, because some, and, and like, I've been married for, oh gosh, 15 years, 16 years. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long time. And there are times where you think, okay, I'm not going to continue this argument because we're going to a party, or I'm not going to continue this argument because then I know that this weekend, uh, you know, we've got company coming over. It's going to be. And so there are different motivators. It's okay for the motivation of being able to have that physical connection to inspire you to work through the emotional and the other way around. Allow for working through the physical intimacy issues and allow for wanting to have that help you work through the emotional stuff. They do work hand in hand. I think a lot of people put, it's like very heavy on the emotional and then the physical is just like, well, that's just a byproduct. If you want to be together and happily together and not end up divorcing after 20, 25 years of marriage, 40 years of marriage, you know, once the kids are out, you're going to have to prioritize both of them. And maybe one of you, it has, takes more of a lead on one versus the other. And maybe sometimes you swap, but they both need to be um, in conjunction. They both need to be tended to or else you lose one versus the other. And you just never know when it's going to be too late to bring it back. Hey, U-Turn friend, are you ready to enjoy a calm moment with something really nourishing? I have something for you and it's Gold Power by Organifi. The golden powder tastes like a cozy moment in and of itself. It's cinnamony, it's comforting, and it's packed with good ingredients like turmeric, ginger, reishi mushroom, lemon balm, and prebiotics. 
As soon as the afternoon slump hits, instead of letting myself have yet another cup of coffee, I try to pour this gold powder into my favorite hot nut milk. It's simply divine. It makes my sweet tooth so happy and it's superfood blends just make it easy to add more variety and nutrition into my day. If you'd like to give gold powder a try, I cannot recommend it enough. Just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn and make sure to use the code U-Turn at checkout for 20% off. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Y-O-U T-U-R-N and use the code U-Turn for checkout. Mm, Okay. And so that kind of answers another question that I was going to follow up with is, is it ever too late? Like, it sounds like it might be. What's your take on couples that maybe they've had a sexless marriage or relationship for a long time and they want to bring it back? Do you feel like, have you seen a point of no return um, also, I want to ask you about infidelity and like yeah. that. Can they, they go hand in hand. Right. So it's <laughs> yeah. like the point of no return. So can you talk to me a little bit about couples that work through infidelity? Also, just any data you have on it. Yeah. I read that as many as 50% of female spouses uh, cheat and more, I hate that word, but it's just what it is. And then around up to 70% of male spouses. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's accurate. I would love to hear what your take is on that. Um, that those are kind of the latest that I've heard as well. And okay. that's just self-reports, right? So there's probably a lot of people who still don't report it. Um, but going back to the initial, you know, how do you get from there being maybe we're struggling to, wow, this isn't going to come back? Usually um the the hardest, the hardest situation for me to bring a couple back from the brink of divorce is if there's a third party involved. Um, Mm. Because now you are dealing with, typically most people tend to follow this monogamous, you know, this monogamous monogamous paradigm. So they, their uh, loyalty transfers to this other person and it's very difficult for them to then transfer it back. Mm-hmm. And they start to align themselves and really bond and connect with this third party. And unless they, I mean, most people, once they've done that, it's just incredibly hard for them, especially we're talking about the new relationship energy. Well, when people are um being disloyal and betraying their partners, there it's like it's like almost like a cocaine high. It does the same things to their brain. And so it is very difficult to cut that off, especially cold turkey. And especially when they're looking back at their partnership at their primary partnership and saying, what am I going back to? (laughs) Why would I want to go back to, you know, boiled potatoes when I've got steak over here? So I think for a lot of people, they don't realize how detrimental it is to betray your partner. And um, on top of that, we still live in a society where when people cheat, it's, it's shameful. Like, and and so you're just, you're throwing a bomb in your relationship. And I'm, I'm a big fan of see a therapist. If you're experiencing any sort of inkling of wanting to look elsewhere, the minute those blinders come off, go to a therapist and work through it. It may be that you just need something different and that you need to get out of the relationship but you're not going to feel good about it. And you're, and it's probably going to haunt you in whatever comes next. If you don't work through those feelings with or without your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as some statistics that are really important is that 
seven, about 70% of couples that do experience partner betrayal or infidelity, um, they end up staying together. Wow. So the vast majority, and, and I see it all the time, um, you know, people don't want to break up their families. They don't want to uh, allow for a third party or parties um, to come in and ruin what they've built. Um, they oftentimes will get to a point with a third party where they feel like this isn't going to go anywhere. This was a fantasy. This doesn't have legs. Like, oh, the grass is not always greener. We've all heard that. And and it's true for most people, you know, uh, that's what they're going to find out. So I do think that for all of the couples out there who have experienced that or who are at risk for that, it's very important that you see somebody to help you to work through that so that it doesn't end up being something that you regret and then that ends up haunting you forever. And if you're already in that place, just know you are in good company. Lots of people can work through it. And of the people that stay together, over 50% have reported that they feel closer, mm. that they actually feel like their relationship has has gotten closer and more connected. Not that they would do it again for that and just, for, you know, to get that same outcome, but that they do feel closer. And for a lot of people, it does help them to reassess their relationship and what they want. It's like putting a huge magnifying on glass on there. And then of course, if you're working with a professional, it can be something that you learn from. Okay. So then this, um, we had Ken Page on the show talking about sexual um, attraction and just being attracted to people who are good for me, for you attractions of deprivation, all sorts of different things and patterns that we get stuck in when we're dating or even in our partnerships. Um, what are your beliefs about the spark being there on first glance? Like, I feel like I have a lot of friends who are like dating in New York City and they're just like, I, you know, my vagina says no the moment I see this guy. Um, do you think that that's something that can warm up, you know, when, you know, like any feedback for people who feel like maybe it just was never there and they kind of jumped into a relationship. Now they're eight months in and like, they're really actually just not attracted to the person if they're honest with themselves. What's your thought there? You know, I still don't know that there's any real way of being able to measure, um, attraction at first sight or, you know, love at first sight. We hear a lot about that as well, um, which I happen to believe in, by the way. <laughs> but I, I, it's a tough one. I actually want to go back and listen to that episode because I'd be really, really curious about what they have to say. And on, and I feel like for people who are struggling with keeping that attraction, that's going to happen no matter who you're with. Yeah. Again, it goes back to that new relationship energy and it, it kind of fizzles out. We can always find the bad. Mm -hmm. There will always be something that if you look long enough at something, it's going to look like a mess. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you need to ignore these things, but there are some things that you need to just say are, for instance, you know, if we're talking about aesthetic beauty. That is something that is absolutely going to change over time. And we need, I don't care how much you're trying to fight aging and trying to fight the bulge, whatever it is. If you're trying to seek out a long-term relationship, you're going to have to look past all that because things happen and um, things that we can help, things that we can't. Now, that said, if you are trying to 
continue to have um, attraction with your partner, then I would say trying to avoid intentional or even unintentional drastic changes in your appearance might be more helpful than deciding I'm going to make this really drastic change in my appearance or allowing for something to happen that you can help. Because just like with any other drastic changes in a relationship, they're going to have effect. It's going to have waves, right? And ripples. And and so talking about it with your partner, exploring that with your partner, but also just being more open to the idea that you're with another human mm-hmm. and that human is going to change over time. Mm-hmm. The personality is going to change. Their bodies are going to change. The way that they experience sexuality is going to change. Pleasure, all of those things. And so if you can't go with the flow and you can't really transform and, and uh, change over time with your with your partnership, then Maybe you're not cut out for a long-term relationship Mm. and that's okay. It's not for everybody. Okay. So that actually brings me like speaking of infidelity, a lot of people I think would see that as potentially a deal breaker. And you're saying 70% of couples who go through it, stay together or work through it. Um, What I want to ask is around deal breakers. And I know there's no universal deal breaker, but have you seen certain recurring themes in your practice where, you know, we talked about the point of no return where you're just like, that usually isn't workable. Um, and, and maybe you haven't, but but I would just be curious if you've seen anything that you think, yeah, I've heard this before. This is a tough road to go down. It's interesting you bring this up because um, I've had a kind of like a the Dr. Viviana method, and I have different programs that some are released, some aren't. And one of the ones that isn't that I've been working with clients for quite a while is the Dr. Viviana method for overcoming differences. Mm-hmm. And I always say in parentheses, it's fundamental differences. These right. are the things like, I want kids. He doesn't want kids. Right. Um, I want to live like a, mo- a nomad. She wants to buy a house in our hometown, like things where it's one or the other. Um, you can't kind of be halfway with it. And what I have found has been extremely helpful is it, it's multi-step, but one of the first steps is really truly understanding yourself and understanding what what it is that you're asking for and, and what it is that you're envisioning. And then also hearing what your partner, um, hearing what your partner wants, but then also living it, experiencing it. Mm-hmm. So with so many of, especially when it comes to sexuality, with so many things that we experience or don't experience, um, a lot of it is just don't yuck my yum. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't knock it till you try it. And some things can be very fear-based and other things, you know, can be taboo that make you feel like you shouldn't try them. But if the two of you can get to a place where you dive in and say, as a couple, we're going to research this, we're going to take a look at it, we're going to um, actually try it and and communicate. There's really nothing that people can't overcome together or can't check off, right? Check the box off together. And the more willing you are to say, maybe... Under, you know, under these circumstances, maybe I'll try that instead of the the knee jerk reaction, which is no, 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 is, is one of the least attractive qualities. If somebody goes into something saying no, yeah, every time it's a, it's, it's always a, well, what do you think? No, no, no. And that's the sort of thing where your partner starts saying, I'm not even going to ask anymore. Right. I can't go to you with these things. And that's 
supremely unattractive when you've decided to be with somebody forever. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that you have that you have to do everything or you have to try everything, but you can't, you can't try nothing. Yeah. (laughs) And you can't expect your partner to be okay with not trying something, especially when it comes to in a monogamous relationship, they can only do these things with you. Yeah. Such a huge, huge, it's not just a burden, but it's a privilege to say, I'm the person that you've decided to grow forever with. And that, that also includes in your sexual yeah. being. Okay. So on the note of sexual being, you have these four attachment styles. I took your quiz, everyone. Y'all, she's got a quiz in the book. Yes. Styles. And it's online as well. It's free. It's the four. It's just right. Four intimacy styles quiz.com. And you can go on there. It's free. You'll, you'll just have to answer. Uh, I think it's like 15 questions. And by the end of it, what you'll do is you'll end up with four percentages. You'll get the percentage for bonding, for release, for giving, and responsive. And what I'm hoping you'll get to, either through reading the book and understanding how to um, increase or decrease whatever it is that you're needing, you're trying to get to 25% of each of the styles in all or nearly all sexual experiences. So you're looking at rounding out your intimacy style by having 25, a quarter of each of those. And so that's when you imagine the four with a circle around it. It's on the book, it's inside and all that. Just remember, you're trying to round out your intimacy style. And what I have found is that if you can get as close to 25% of each, so really balanced, then every, every need that you have is going to be fulfilled um, when it comes to sex. So that's when you think long-term, it's like insurance. <laughs> you're you're going to be able to really satisfy your partner and, your, and fulfill your own needs as well. A lot of people are very imbalanced when it comes to these things. So taking the quiz will help you to figure out how imbalanced you are. And just know that I've been doing this for a long time. And I found that when couples feel like they've rounded out their intimacy styles, it's like all the boxes get checked off and they just feel like, oh, it's so nice because there's where nothing is feeling left out. There's this sense of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's not that it'll, it's not that it's terrible if you are imbalanced, but just know you're going to hit a roadblock. Yeah. That doesn't... And that's probably it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think anyone listening wants to be imbalanced. So I like that you're suggesting it and we'll make sure to put the quiz in the show notes for everyone. Um, And speaking of aging, I think I see my second gray hair ever right now on the zoom. Oh, you know what? And and she'll be with you for a while. I I'm, I'm having to, to do all sorts of fun little things to, to uh, disguise those. I can put those in the show notes. (laughs) Um, it's it's happening it's happening I know my friend told me her first gray hair and her pubes were really the highlight of her anti-aging experience so you know I sent all of you like okay so I took the quiz and I figured it would be cool to kind of go through the bonding and the release and the giving and the responsive styles each um, whether anyone listening takes the quiz or not, which we'll put it in the show notes, um, just kind of helping them maybe self-identify. I feel like with these things, people get kind of out themselves a little bit. Um, yeah. can you walk us through each one and maybe some defining factors or differences amongst them? 
What's going on, U-Turner? This episode, I wanted to take a moment to just acknowledge one of my absolute favorite brands in the world making the biggest impact on my day-to-day beauty and its herbal face food. It's the only skincare product that I've become so obsessed with. I use it every day. I didn't even reach out and ask them to sponsor the podcast. I wanted to just stop by and highlight one of my favorite things. I am the first person to admit that I obsess over skincare. If I could make my skin look like I'm seven years old, I probably would. And I want to share with you the one thing that I've been using that has changed my skin, and it's the Cure product from Herbal Face Foods. So if you have acne or hormonal acne or even a melasma, any discoloration on your face, it literally cured my hormonal acne in less than two weeks. It left my skin feeling so soft, so smooth. And since I'm really particular about what I put in my body, I also care about what goes on to my body. So Herbal Face Foods product is made for from 57 natural botanicals and their products are antiviral and yes they are so natural that you can literally eat them though I probably don't recommend trying to I loved it so much that I wanted to reach out to them and get a discount code for you so that you can experience them so just head on over to ashleystall.com slash skin that's a-s-h-l-e-y-s-t-a-h-l dot com slash skin and use the code ashley20 at checkout to get a discount on your order i love their serum and i love their cure product i use it every morning every night and it's just been such a game changer making me look younger my face look brighter i hear from so many of you i wanted instead of posting an ad right here to just share and shout out one of my favorite brands and give you this promo code of ashley20 over at herbal face foods Thanks again for tuning in and back to the episode. Sure. So let's start with bonding. Um, I think a lot of people, when we're just talking about it, they'll be like, oh, I'm I'm really into bonding. But I don't think that, they, that it means what they think they mean, mm-hmm. uh, what it means. So the bonding style is for those who, once they have experienced a sexual experience with their partner, it helps them to feel emotionally bonded. So this is where they they need the sexual and the physical intimacy to feel emotionally connected to someone. Then we have release. And release is the person who says, man, when it comes to sex, what really makes me feel connected to someone is the fact that my body just feels like I'm getting that euphoria, that tension release. It feels so good and I can attribute it and, and that feeling of um, well-being that comes, you know, post, post-coital, you know, euphoria, that happens. They can attribute that to their partner, and that feels very intimate and connecting. Then we have people who are giving. And these are the people who experience, it's almost like they experience um, vicarious pleasure. By giving pleasure, they feel bonded to that person. They feel like that person has allowed for them to really shine um they and a lot of and in the book we talk a lot about that like you'll you'll hear that um there's kind of this sense of i could do this all day no this is all about you well that sounds great but in a long-term relationship it can also start to feel like there's an imbalance 
well, yeah, but what about you? How do I know that you're getting your needs met? And so that's another reason why, while it sounds great, it doesn't always work out in a long-term relationship. Um, and then there's responsive. Now, this one gets a bad rap. Um, responsive tend to look like they have low desire. They don't necessarily have low desire. They just don't tend to initiate. They, they're the ones who are, they seem okay without having as much sexual frequency and experiences. But if their partner wants to, it's, they're totally great. They love it. They enjoy it. They feel better about it. They, um, they have no problem responding to their partner's needs. They just don't tend to have it on the brain as much as the other styles. And so oftentimes people will come in and say, oh my gosh, I have very, very low sexual desire. Um, I feel like maybe there's something wrong with me or there's something broken. And I'm like, okay, well, what happens at home whenever your partner initiates? Oh yeah, no, I'm fine with that. You know, <laughs> if they initiate, I'm fine with that. And then we always, we enjoy it. It's kind of like when you go to the gym, yeah. you're not really into it at first, but then you get into it. And then afterwards you're like, yeah, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. Usually, <laughs> usually. Um, it's kind of like that. So all of them are important for you to be able to experience. All of them have a place in your intimate life. Um, and there are going to be times where you will be, like I said, a little bit higher percentage of each and lower percentage of the other. But for instance, the importance of being responsive. I talk about it in terms of like, if you're trying to get your partner to meet you, it's important for both of you to be able to give space for you to, for your partner to come to you. Mm. So I think it's just, it's one of those things where if you can say, I won't reject you more than twice in a row, then that kind of gives you a stopping point. It's like a bumper. Mm-hmm. But you have to let your partner know that you're open to it by allowing them to come towards you. Because that's the other thing. People who are um, who are not as responsive, their partner never gets the chance to initiate because they're always right there, right there, right there. I think I'm sure a lot of your listeners can can relate to the idea that, well, you never give me an opportunity because you're always ready and you're always wanting. And it's like I look at you and you're like ready. When do I get to initiate? If you're right there, you're always right there. And so it's important to be able to take a step back and allow your partner to initiate and to be responsive to that. I love that. And it reminds me of Annie Lala, who we had on the show. She talked about like, it's almost like when you're at a restaurant and they're filling your water cup so fast, like you barely even had a sip of water. You know, and it's like, let my cup get a little low for a second. Exactly, exactly. And we, it's hard to imagine that if you're on the initiating side, right? It's hard to imagine, like, well, why would that be a bad thing? Um, I'm, you know, they never have to worry about my feelings or whether or not I'm interested. Um, yes, but they also don't ever get to practice initiating. And if you lose practice, then it can feel very awkward, and there can be a lot of pressure when you do. Mm, I love this. And I also, I think a lot about the idea of rounding out your styles. Like, um, what, what do you have to say? Let's say somebody's style is bonding. So I was reading that it's the person that enjoys physical intimacy because it helps them emotionally bond. So let's say it's that person and they don't have a lot of release in their palate and the release style for those of you taking notes, just a reminder, um, 
it's it's about release, right? A physical it's, tension. From it's about feeling that physical tension release that that you can then attribute to your partner and feel like this sense of well-being. They were a part of me feeling better. Right. So that people, some people, I feel like with one style, they might say like, that just isn't me. Like, I don't need that. Or I don't crave that. Or my body is a no with that. Like, I don't need release. It's more like I want to connect and that's what I want. What would be your response to the person that has a belief that they cannot round out their style? Just know that if you're, if you feel like it doesn't come naturally, you're not alone. So many people are unaware that they need all four of these present. What they do end up realizing later on is that something isn't working. And that's when they say, well, maybe we're just not compatible. I don't believe in sexual incompatibility. If you round out your intimacy styles, especially as a couple, then you will ever feel like you're not compatible. So mm-hmm. it, it, it may be something that is intimidating to you, but I would say lean into that. Lean into exploring because again, it's part of the work. It's part of the work in a relationship. Just because it doesn't come naturally, doesn't mean it's wrong. I love this. Um, okay. So I want to do an episode. I don't know if you're the person or not, you can tell me, but I want to do an episode on personality disorders because I feel like in relationships, I've been hearing a lot about mental health mm-hmm. and there's all sorts of different shades of it. Right. So, um, I had a partner who, thanks to me studying psychology and getting my master's, he, I was the first he ever heard of the possibility of him having bipolar disorder. Um, but I remember sad for you, but great for him. Right. And (laughs) hasn't really seen a a doctor and addressed it. And and in all of the months it's been since we parted ways. Um, but it felt like for me, okay, this is something that's just not workable because he's not taking care of his mental health and he's not going to be stable and well to build with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious to talk more and have you on again at some point, just about all different shades of psychology. Um, yeah. what have I not asked you about sex that you think maybe some of the listeners are wondering before we go and then where can everybody find you? Yeah. So maybe the significance, uh, you know, why, why sex? Yeah. You know, I think for a lot of people, they get into relationships and they don't ever discuss why sexual intimacy is important to them. That's one of the first things that I ask my couples, whether it's going well or not, I want them to be able to articulate why it's important because the minute that you assume your partner feels the same way is the minute you're going to find out that they don't. And, um, and I think, if you if you do anything with your partner in the next 24 hours, have the conversation of why sex is important to them. It will be so eye-opening and such a bonding experience to find out what messages they got about sex, why it's significant. Um, most people will say, well, it's significant because it's what couples do. <laughs> well, that's not good enough. There's a whole lot of things that couples do that y'all don't do. So <laughs> If you want to prioritize, if you hope to prioritize and intend to prioritize sexuality over the course of your relationship and over the course of your lifespan, the why is really, really important. And in the book, I tend to go in very deep uh, on that concept of why it's so important. And then my new Dr. Viviana method for intimate reconnection is the how. 
for couples who are really struggling to get onto the same page when it comes to sexual intimacy and physical intimacy, it is a six-week program that is either self-led or you can do it with a Dr. Viviana Method provider. And that's all online at drviviana.com. Check it out. Um, I send a course kit, like there's all sorts of things. And this is a kind of like a really important DIY for couples who maybe don't feel like they want to go to therapy. Maybe that's just not, they're not comfortable with that. They want to try it on their own. This is a tried and true way to reconnect in a slowly but surely um, way. And I, and I feel like I've, this is one of the programs that I've been working on for so long in, in sessions and face-to-face, and now it's been digitized and systematic in that way. And so I'm really excited to have that out. So if you are struggling in that department and you just, you want to, but you don't know how to get past the awkwardness, maybe it's been years, maybe it's been months, maybe things have changed and you just have gotten into this rut of not being able to connect in a healthy way. Maybe you're able to have sex, but it's just not going well. It doesn't feel right, whether that's emotionally or physically. This is the program for you. Mm, this has been so much fun to have you. Thank you so much for coming on Thank the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm going to go back and listen to almost all of your episodes because I have you. listened to a few before, but you've had some amazing guests. I'm glad to be a part of that. Yeah, I I really, um, Annie Lala coached me years ago Um I don't know what she's, if she's still doing that now, but it's been really fun to have personal connections, then bring someone on that I don't know. I feel like I've been so called out on this podcast when it comes to love. (laughs) Actually, um, we were talking about compatibility and Alexi Panos came on and talked about creating compatibility and she studied at the Gottman Institute for quite some time. So there's just so much here. Thank you for listening. Thanks for coming. And everybody DM her, share the episode. Let us know what you thought. You know how exciting it is to see. So thanks again for coming on. Thanks. Thanks so much, Ashley. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. 
So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast, or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.